you also just reminded me of a point that we were talking about earlier where you said, you know, we built Vercel and we made it the best platform for Next.js, but equally, it works equally well with Astro and SvelteKit and whatever else and all these other frameworks. And again, you chose the right level of abstraction. You made sure that all the levels of, of abstractions were covered and you probably looking at it from the outside, you were informing what the abstractions need to look like based on your own totally. experience, right? You built it for Next.js and then through that, you built the right layers of abstraction so that you could replicate that experience later. And that truly took a lot of intellectual effort. <laughs> so like, I remember like things, in terms of things being hard, I actually remember discrete moments in time when I remember thinking like, holy crap, like the engineering effort, the thinking, the planning, the data stores, the metadata, the config, like everything would be so much easier. Um, <laughs> but I actually think this is a good illustration as well of like simple versus easy, which I'm kind of like OCD about, you know, trying to be as correct as possible when I use the two terms. And like, I think this is a good example. Like it would have been easier. It wouldn't necessarily have been the simpler thing to do. Because I think simplicity speaks to this elegant system where the infrastructure primitives are nicely decoupled from the front-end framework implementation detail. Now, that wasn't easy at all. It turns out, like, the easy thing would have been to, like, create this mesh of a system of Next and Next Cloud. And I would have closed deals faster, perhaps, or, I don't know, like, get more market share. I, I don't know what ever happened, but, like, I do think I would, I would have some like super short-lived advantages. This actually, by the way, this simplicity translates into like going back to like giving ownership to folks and like you kind of want to design a company that is not too detached from how the engineering works. So famously, mm. uh, Jeff Bezos said, you know, we're going to organize ourselves as teams that speak over APIs. So the ways that modern organizations are structuring themselves are intrinsically related to how they engineer. So going back to like next time for sale, like the fact that we have this really cool API, we call it the build output API that binds any arbitrary front end framework to our infrastructure has made for a more neatly organized, I would even dare say autonomously organized and productive engineering organization as well. And so you have to be super mindful of that alignment between product, engineering, the thing that you're building, and how teams organize around it. That's a really powerful insight. I think some companies tend to fall into the trap of engineering for engineering's sake, right? They end up thinking that the only thing that matters is that you engineer it really well, and everything is architected perfectly, but you never ship anything. How do you balance sort of like the engineering it simply in an elegant system with shipping quickly? For sure. Uh, this is a huge topic. So I have a couple <laughs> ideas. Uh, one is that you have to be very clear about what are your crown jewels? You know, mm. like what, what is the thing that you're here to protect? And what does protecting them mean? So I'll give you a very concrete example for us is that we have this internal prioritization framework that says like the absolute most important thing for the company is security and the, the security of our customers' data and closely following that is durability, which is like not losing their data and availability, which is like ensuring that our customers are productive, both on the deployment pipeline, like they can push code and change things. And also that we're serving their traffic without interruptions in production. So if an engineer is wanting to make a change, they have this like value system that they can refer to 
about how careful do they need to be they need to be of course we all want perfect masterful amazing engineering for everything but some things will necessarily have more scrutiny and in our cases like those crown jewels that have that framework of prioritization attached to them so i think it boils down to like setting clear expectations about like What's worth having that extra set of eyes on? However, having said that, another thing that can give you velocity while without... So there's two other things that can give you velocity without sacrificing quality. One, we already talked about scope. Like I'm just going to build less. I'm going to cut that out. In fact, I had to make a hard decision recently where I weighed in on some arbitrage and I said... I'd rather this be GA without those two other features because we get it to market earlier. We focus on all the right things because we're coming to market with saying like, we've improved stability and performance of this product. And it's, fa- it's basically faster and better. And we can keep adding the rest of the other features later. So let's cut down scope, meet our date, get it to market. It's super strategic. It's super awesome. I know how to speak to its awesomeness when I sit down with an analyst or customer or friend or whatever. So let's ship it. So scope reduction was a tool there. And the other one that I would say is like getting things into customers' hands with the right caveats and expectations Mm -hmm. as aggressively as possible. So experimental flags, boom. Like Chrome does this really well, right? Like there's a lot of stuff in there. Chrome for me is exceptional. Like never crashes. Like I never go to like a critical website, like my bank account or Gmail and like it's bad or whatever. Clearly they understand what their crown jewels and key metrics are. But then they have like thing like I didn't even have like three hundred experimental flags that I'm sure if I check them all on, it's gonna take my, turn my browser into a disaster, right? <laughs> I think that's that's how you want to do software at scale. You want to mm-hmm. like create this like super awesome, well defined kind of like yellow brick road to production that is not binary. Mm-hmm. So what's really cool about this insight is that we're turning this insight into a technology with Vercel because we want to give you this feature flag oriented way, this very dynamic way of enabling and disabling features, even for cohorts of users while you build with Next.js and Vercel. So we just announced the Edge Store. The Edge Store allows you to store metadata everywhere in the world. And when you make a change to it, it gets pushed everywhere instantly. So that's a good storing system for things like, I'm going to enable this new capability just for Max. So I say like feature, new kind of Vercel deployment enabled for Max. Now Max has it, I can start receiving feedback from him. And if it creates problems, it literally takes 300 milliseconds to roll it back. I don't actually even have to redeploy. So that's the kind of technology investment. Obviously, I'm selling for sale, but like that's the kind of technology investment that if you give that to your team, they can move fast with confidence because now they're starting to like have this smooth rollout process. If something goes wrong, it gets instantly rolled back. We actually also announced instant rollbacks recently, 300 millisecond worldwide reverting of an entire deployment. Mm. That's the kind of thing that gives our customers a lot of confidence. And by the way, there's a meta story there because we rolled out instant rollback under a flag. And we heard from this car company that literally what this, and this is what I like the doubling down on customer delight thing. One day I saw this Slack message that someone shared that said, OMG, this feature literally saved this really important release for us. 
Thank you so much for making it. You know what's interesting about that and goes back to the tweets about Hassan's work. When people go out of their way to tell you that you're doing something well, that in my mind, I attach a lot of weight to it. Mm-hmm. They're super busy. They were dealing with a launch. Obviously, there was some bugs. So it wasn't even like an entirely positive situation. But the fact that that feature existed changed their level of confidence, their love for our platform, etc. And those are the things that I think can, we all make mistakes. So like, how can you create systems within your organization that contain the blast radius uh, of those mistakes and actually empower people to feel good about making mistakes? This is a concept of psychological safety. I don't want to get too like Harvard Business Review on our audience here, but like <laughs> the, the study that came out, I think was from research at Google was the best performing teams are the ones that feel the most psychologically safe. What is a proxy for psychological safety? That you're allowed to make mistakes. And again, that's why I made that framework of like your crown jewels, not okay to make mistakes under absolutely no circumstances. But then create room for mistakes to be made and like contain the blast radius of those mistakes and learn very quickly and then move forward with confidence and so on. Man, there was so much in there. 